People of the world, hello and welcome to The Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. And welcome back into the mix on another episode of The Brothers Talk. We are here again to discuss the issues that are most prevalent in our communities. We once again want to extend our sincere thanks to our guests from last week, Dr. Rodney Andrews and Dr. Marcus Martin. And if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to that broadcast, we encourage you to do so strongly to hear what these experts had to say in plain language about the whole issue of Blackonomics as related to our communities. So we're ready to launch out again. So once again, here are Scott and Norm. Hey, family. Thanks for your continued support. You need to be safe out there. This coronavirus is, is real. It's impacting our communities worse than any other communities. So don't go for the okey-doke. Practice social distancing and uh, be safe. And I'd just like to thank everyone for the, again, like Scott, like the, for the continued support. And remember, buy Black when you have a chance and stay Black all the time. All right, so this week we need to focus on the racism explosion that's happened across the country. And it's so blatant that it's forced its way to the front pages in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, the reopening of the country. And even though it was only brought to our attention because of social media, because the 24-hour news channels seemingly couldn't find the time to report about it. So that is certainly one of the great uses, again, of the people who are being vigilant out there with social media. So thank you for keeping those cameras rolling and for bringing this information to our attention. But situations like Ahmaud Arbery and the Breonna Taylor's murders are just a flashpoint that shows what in this day and age, what we have become under the leadership of 45, because more than ever, we have found that racism is basically on steroids. And that's whether you're talking about some local yokels who decided that they needed to play police and murder Ahmaud Arbery, or the Louisville Police Department, who can enter the wrong apartment, uh, even though they had a search warrant, because it was the wrong apartment, because they found nothing there, and they're now admitting that neither the people in the apartment were suspects, but they could shoot Breonna Taylor in her bed while she was asleep, and they want to go after her boyfriend for defending himself when they didn't announce themselves, but just burst into his apartment in the middle of the night. And so that's just the kind of thing that is constantly happening across this country. And Norm, you put up a post recently about the situation down in Florida where we had a healthcare worker who was a black healthcare worker who was doing his best to protect an autistic white youth who was holding on to a toy truck. And the healthcare worker himself was shot. And the outcome is that there were no charges that stuck to that cop who shot that black man there. So what's going on? 
I'd like to know, and I'd like to ask the family out here, what can we do about this? I mean, it's consistently happening. It's almost to the point where we're just, it's just normal. It's a normal part of our, our lives now. That it's like accepted behavior. We're the only ones continuously complaining about it. It's, ha- it's happening all the time. Not just the, the, the murders are shocking and it's sad and it's wrong. The harassment of black folks, well, by white folks, just not the police, but any random white person it appears that they feel like they have the authority or because they're, they're so arrogant that if you're black, they can just walk up to you and say, you know, who are you? I need to know where you're going, where you've been, what are you doing in this area? What's your name? Show me your, you know, what is going on here that people feel like they can do that? And we, we've been constantly under uh, attack. If you look at our, the Brothers Talk group and some of the videos that's out there that's over the years, I saw this video where a guy, and I think he was in Florida, he's been arrested 56 times. He's been stopped and searched over 250 times at the same location, going to his job at a convenience store to the point that the convenience store owner is like, quit harassing this guy. And they're trying to say that he just looks suspicious, but they, they continuously arrest this guy. They don't hold him, they arrest him 56 times in the last four years. I mean, historically, this is white America. This is, this is the way we've been treated since slavery is in here. I mean, this, this is it, and actually even during slavery, so, you know, for the most part. So I, I don't have any expectations of things being different for us in this country. I really don't. Well, you make a good point, but the truth is that most of this harass, real harassment began after slavery was over because that was the beginning of the Black Codes. And you know, remember one of the, the main tenets of the Black Code was the loitering law, which said that, you know, we, Black people... If, couldn't even stand on corners or be out unless they had some purpose. So that was a way for them to round them up, to put them in jail, to use them as prison labor, which was the new form of slavery. And so we are that unbroken chain because just like you said, Scott, you know, they got nicknames for a lot of these people now who take it upon themselves. I think it's their constitutional right to just demand that black folks need to give an account of themselves for anything that they're doing. You got barbecue, Becky, and stuff like that, which is just uh, almost them trying to normalize that kind of behavior because they don't seem to find any shame in being shown on these videos. And when the issue comes up, the first thing they're quick to do is claim that they're not racist, just like the family in Georgia who shot Ahmaud Arbery, you know, want to be quick to say it's not a racist thing. Well, it's like, well, okay, well, then show us the evidence of you harassing some white people, and we might have a chance to believe that. But until we see that kind of thing happening to white people, it's always about race. And you're so right, because the owner of that property that Arbery had gone into showed videos of multiple people going into that property. White folks, kids, just walking in, looking around, and the neighbor did nothing. They were not accosted by anyone. And over a period of time, he said nothing was taken. Uh, nothing was taken when Aubrey went in there. But for some reason, well, I think that it's clear that these guys are racist. I mean, come on. Right. I also posted the second DA, his response to the entire situation. And he literally blames Ahmed for his death. He blames him for his death and he clears the two culprits. Yeah. Before you step in. 
before he steps down. And then after he stepped down, he then admitted that his son worked in the other office with the, with the other gentleman. After the fact, not before. Yeah, you got too many of these situations where over and over again, the response from white America tends to be, well, we don't know all the facts. When the facts are really sitting right in front of you, that they chased down his brother and killed him, just like in Louisville, when they are releasing more and more of the information about the warrant that they executed on uh, Breonna Taylor's apartment, where they based it on a judge's ruling that because they had seen the suspect that they actually arrested earlier, they saw him at one time coming out of her apartment with a package. And so that was enough to grant them the search warrant. They said they checked with the postmaster who said that he had also received packages there. But you ask yourself, well, if they were suspicious of the package, why didn't they stop him coming out and check to see what was in there if he was a target of their investigation? But instead, they break into this apartment in the middle of the night and shoot blindly because they said bullets went into other apartments. So they could have killed all kinds of other innocent bystanders who had nothing to do with it, not to mention the fact that the guy that did actually try to defend himself, he wasn't hit, but they managed to hit her eight times with all the shots that were fired and killed her, even though she was laying there in the bed. And so this is the kind of thing that when the facts stare you straight in the face and they're talking about the prosecutor they're going to bring in. But we are unfortunately in a place where we cannot even rely on just the arrest process because we see just like that situation in Florida that over and over again, the statistics are still borne out that even the police are able to shoot unarmed black people 98% of the time and not even be arrested. They got only a 2% chance of being arrested and much less of being convicted. I mean, there has to be something that we can do other than show outrage on social media. Uh, that appears to be the only way that we're getting any kind of justice or something close to justice is that we have to go on social media and continuously show our displeasure with what's happening so that it can get some national media attention. Because if it wasn't what wasn't for what was happening on social media, it would have never gotten international attention in the media. You know, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to do what Malcolm X was threatening to do. And I think, I believe he was just about to do. We're going to have to organize, literally, and go to the UN. Yeah. And literally embarrass this country on the wall stage. You, you know, Norm, that probably the most profound thing I've heard and the most reasonable thing I've heard about how do we address this because what we're doing now is not working. It's just not. You know, we get a little bit of justice, you know, we'll, we'll take a step forward and take 10 steps back. 10 more people get killed. Well, I, I would agree with that if you didn't have people like Boris Johnson in London, who is every bit the racist. And so what, you know, you had at one point was the world by and large did not have the presumption of racism that exists in so many governments now. And so while, I mean, that may be a start, but I also like what Sarah Anthony did in Michigan, you know, the state representative there, where she went to their Capitol building and brought a bunch of black folks who were armed with her. And I think if nothing else, there has to be a counterbalance at some point where they need to recognize there's some consequences. I think the other part of it needs to be that when white people waste 
police time, calling people yeah. for barbecuing and so forth, there yeah. need to be prosecution because that is, again, the only thing that seems to really make a difference if they, one, fear the reprisals and two, get some sort of legal consequences that they have to either pay a fine or for me, I think, you know, put them in jail because yeah. until they find some real consequences, they have no sense of shame or anything. So it just continues. I think for a lot of them, it's like a joke. I think it's something they'd want to laugh at. Well, you know, I think I think we'll have a better shot. That that would be a start. And you brought up a point that I was going to bring up is that uh, we need to uh, push for legislation that allows a person who does that, who calls the police, like this woman called the police because she said she didn't like the guy was the guy was staring at her. So the police comes because she said a black guy was sitting in his car. He was getting ready to go in the restaurant looked at her and she said that she didn't like what made her feel uncomfortable so she called the police i mean th this is ridiculous and there were no consequences for her the consequences are always for the, the black person like those people in california they had they, they was in this airbnb and this woman across the street somebody you know they didn't wave at her so she felt well you didn't wave at them and she called the police and the police detained them luckily enough they could articulate and they could handle themselves but if they couldn't, that could have escalated. Somebody could have gotten killed. They could have gone to jail. But there were no consequences for this lady for calling the police on these people, for just minding their own business. Most of the time, well, all of the time, black folks are just minding their own business. Now, one of the things that I'm surprised that, and it just occurred to me as you were talking, Scott, that there aren't more lawsuits being filed by black people for some of these actions because normally, you know, you could shake a stick and 10 lawyers will drop right in front of you. Right. And it would seem to me that this would be almost like a bonanza that any lawyer out there would say to him or herself, I'm glad to take on this case because this is so easy. This is like low hanging fruit that these people are being harassed. And yet it is kind of surprising to me that, that you don't see as many of these, these lawsuits happening because the one thing that some people started to see as a potential deterrent to some of these police shootings and harassment and brutality had to do with making the the police and their unions liable for the conduct of these cops as opposed to the municipalities because more and more money gets taken away from these municipalities but most of the time nobody reports back that and the the local people don't recognize that they're actually paying out these huge settlements that right. go to the families of these victims. And so I think those are the kinds of uh, strategies, but I'm really surprised that you don't see more lawsuits. Yeah. I just think that we gotta, we gotta do something. I mean, this is in my lifetime, this is seen to be increasing as opposed to kind of fizzling out the harassment of black folks, the murdering of black folks, it just seemed to be increasing every year. Uh, and, and every year you turn around and you say, oh, it was, I can't believe this is happening in 2019. I can't believe this is happening in 2020. And next year we'll be saying, I can't believe this is happening in 2021. W what can we do? That's what I would like the family out there to, to uh, write in, email us, give, give us our, your suggestions on what can we do to address this, these the unfair treatment and the murders of black folks. Well, Myself, for one, I'm skin bleaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. that word temporarily. 
Right. All right. Up until they look at your driver's license and see that you check that black box for your race. But but we really do have to recognize that this situation is continuing to to deepen the divide. We also are not cognizant of the fact that when Barack Obama was elected, it really ripped back the scab of racism for so many people who, for whatever reason, it's almost as though that underbelly, that that 35% that continues to support 45, felt like somehow this black man had taken something from them. And so they just became enraged and looking for any way to wrap themselves up in their whiteness. And it has continued because 45 figured out that he could just fan the flames of racism. And he could literally, as he says, shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and they will continue to support him because at the what they see him as is their white champion. And so we have to look for more creative solutions. I think we have to be more disruptive. I think we have to not accept the old standbys of thinking that it's about marches or about simple actions, but it has to be the kind of thing that just like when the marches of the 60s were the Black Lives Matter of their time because they were disruptive. You know, marches now are things they get permits for and nobody even cares. But what the marches did at that time, because they were disruptive and the police came out and turned the fire hoses and the dogs on them, it raised the consciousness. And just like Ahmad Arbery, the fact that when people finally saw the video, it did raise the conscious level for a lot of whites who recognized that that was something that they were looking at was simply murder. And we have to figure out more ways to bring it to the attention. If the news media won't cover it, then thank God for the people out there with their cameras who are bringing it to our attentions via social media. One of the things that we didn't cover is where's the support from these other racial groups that we're always supporting? There was a young lady on, our, on somebody posted a video of her talking about how we are on the front lines with all these other groups, you know, the LGBTQ community, you know, we were there on the front lines when they when they came to same-sex marriage, but where are they? You know, where, where, the, where are the white gay guys? Where are the white women? And white women do stand up sometimes, but where are they when all of these incidences happen of black folks being harassed and black folks being killed? We were on the front lines when we talk about equal pay and equal right for women, and white women are the ones who benefited the most. Where are the white women now? Where are the Asian women? Where are the Hispanics who came into our communities, came into this country, displaced us when it came to construction jobs and service jobs? And we stood back and we will stand on the front line. And we stand on the front line when they're talking about sending them back to Mexico, even though they took our jobs. But where are they? They don't want to put in the skin in the game. Where are the Asians? Where are all these different groups of people? who know that we're going to stand on the front line when they get attacked, but we're constantly being attacked, and you don't hear a peep from them. They benefit off the fact that we stand on the front line, we, we take the hit for everybody else, and they always benefit from it, but where are they now? We need them now. Where are they? Well, I appreciate that Don Lemon, actually, the Friday before last, it was the uh, eighth, when he actually raised all of those questions, including the fact that he as a member of the LGBTQI community even asked about them saying, you know, when will it be us two as opposed to that? But in my mind, while those are good questions, 
I'm not about trying to wait for any of them to get on board. I think what we need to be more focused on is stopping them from jumping on board our bandwagon and then usurping the benefits from it. So I think we need to stop allowing ourselves to be sucked into their their ability to grab hold of our banner. Like I said, we started affirmative action. All those things are usually out there for our benefit. But the next thing you know, the people who are benefiting from it the most are white women. So you had the Me Too movement, which started by a black woman. But once again, the people benefiting from it the most are white women. And so while there was a group of Asians who came out and basically put up banners saying that they needed to be supportive of Black Lives Matter, that's a nice to have. But I yeah. think what mostly needs to happen is that we need to, to ensure that we keep our focus on our prize and not allow anybody else to come in and act like they're joining us only to turn around and steal the benefits for themselves. And that's it for another edition of the Brothers Talk. And we thank each and every one of you for spending some time with us. And we look forward to sharing with you again next week. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at the Brothers Talk, Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name. And if you want to go long form with your comments, you can reach us at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. In parting, as always, we say, let's do better today because that's all we really have.